0: Hello and welcome back once again to the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. This is episode 195, John and Wendy talk to Tom Shin. I'm your host, John.
1: And I'm Wendy. How are you tonight, John?
0: Wendy, I'm well, well into November, hard to believe. Yes, we are. Uh, We are excited that once again being sponsored by our good pals over at Namely today.
1: Yes, love it. Love working with them.
0: Wendy, we always debate on what we're going to talk about in the open and, and <laughs> yeah. how do we, you know, we're not going to talk about weather because we don't want to do that anymore. Two things we do want to talk a yep. little bit about before we bring Tom in. First off, one ninety nine is upon us.
1: That's crazy. It, that's,
0: it is. That's
1: crazy. It, but
0: yeah. it, it, it really it really is. And as <laughs> as those of you that have been listening for a while know, the number before the big number is always when Wendy and I regroup and mm-hmm. talk about what's been going on. And we give you the opportunity to ask us questions. Yep. We need your questions by December 3rd.
1: So right after Thanksgiving.
0: Right after Thanksgiving. Or the
1: week after, I guess. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. you got got some time. time. But but you listen to this show when it comes out, and you're like, okay, I'm getting closer and closer. December 3rd, we need those questions. You know how to get a hold of us. You can tweet them. You can message them. Send them via Facebook. Carrier Pigeon. I don't care. (laughs) Somehow get them to us. (laughs) Yes. And we will add them to the list. Mm-hmm. For those of you that listen for a long time, no, we do a giveaway for questions. Yes, so guess what? You get free stuff and you get your question answered. So take part. It's
1: win-win. It's win-win, really.
0: One entrant per person, no matter how many questions. And yes, <laughs> and yes, Kate Bischoff, if you're listening, you're still limited to the number of questions you can ask.
1: But and I'm going to put that question. on Melanie Hellman, too. She Yeah, Melanie kind of came up with a lot of questions last time. We're not going to take all and you know it's our show john so we get to pick true. which questions we want to ask answer anyway
0: very true <laughs> the other thing we wanted to talk about briefly or just kind of put it back out there because it is the end of the year and as as you said before we got started kind of the countdown to 2022 yeah we are always interested in, in meeting new folks yeah and, and talking to people that might be uh, of interest to our community we want to put it out to to you all that if you know people that you think would be a great conversation for us. We'd love to to initiate those conversations. If you are trying to sell something, I will send you a rate sheet. Very simple, <laughs> how that works. You know, again, I appreciate when people contact us that yep. want to talk about some great thing. But I also can tell when you've never listened to a minute of this show, and that's mm-hmm. not really what we are about. We are we are happy to talk to you in another way if you're interested yes. in that. If you know someone, or if you're a listener that maybe you've kind of been wondering, you know, Tom, I think uh, is a first time guest on a show. Yeah. We had a lot of people that this is their first show. And if you've been listening, you, I think, you know, we treat people fairly nicely. So yeah, reach out. Let, let's talk. We always talk to people before they come on so that everybody kind of understands what we'd be talking about and what have yeah. you. We are very fortunate that the rest of this year is in great shape. we got great guests lined up all the way through 200 mm-hmm. and, and a little beyond. Some good th- stuff planned for January, but definitely want to open those channels because, yeah. Wendy, it's going to be 2022 before we know it.
1: It is. And, you know, Tom is actually an introduction from uh, Christina Minyard. So thank you to Christina. So I'll give them, and uh, Christina and Jasmine and Baked HR a shout out because we... Love them, worked with them before, but Christina sent me a note and said, hey, you need to meet Tom. So I did, and here he is. How easy was that?
2: With
0: that, (laughs) let's make the introduction and get started.
1: I am so excited to welcome Tom Shin to the show. He is currently the creator of Build Better Culture. He has been a staple in the recruitment realm for over 15 years, working with businesses throughout the Albany, New York area. Prior to this part of his career, he worked for 10 years as a leader and manager in the publishing industry. Tom serves on the board of his local SHRM chapter, CRHRA, as the sponsorship chair, and he is excited to talk all things culture and engagement. Well, Tom, welcome to the show. So excited to have you here. First question, what is in your glass?
2: Thank you so much, Wendy and John, for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I actually brought two glasses with me (laughs) just because, you know, something was calling to me. Um, I brought a... (laughs) I wanted to be a little different. I'm a big tequila fan, so I brought a, a 1414 Ardenam Reposado and a, a Chinaco Añejo tequila with me today.
1: Wow. I think that's the first tequila and the first time someone's had two drinks.
0: <laughs> I can certainly say it's the first time somebody's had two of of something. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, thank prepare. you, John, because that is yeah. that is quite different. <laughs> Tom, we know what you're doing now. How, though, does one go from the publishing industry into the HR world? How does that work?
2: For me, it was a fun story. I had spent 10 years in academic publishing, so I am partial to blame in terms of the cost of textbooks, sorry to say. <laughs> Uh, But I had a a great tenure, great group of people that I worked with, and I just kind of hit a a point where I was ready to move on and try something new. And so a friend of mine had said, if you're ever looking, come talk to me. So I walked into his office one day and he hands me a post-it. He's like, I'm sorry, I don't have time for you today, but uh, call this lady. So he gives me a name and a phone number and I call this woman and she interviews me on the spot, hooks me up with what ends up being one of my longest and closest and dearest friends who hired me to be an area manager for a staffing company. And, uh, you know, she shares the same birthday as me. It just couldn't have uh, dreamed it as a better connection point in the starting of the HR.
1: Yeah, that's definitely a different story. I I don't know how many stories we have that start with post-it notes, but (laughs) hey, you you get them where you can, right? That's it, (laughs) that's it. I love it. So Tom, tell us about Build Better Culture and why you call yourself an engagement engineer.
2: I had this vision a long time ago about being in the leadership space, in the engagement space, being in staffing and recruiting, you see a lot. You see a lot of businesses, you see where they succeed, where they have some challenges. And so even going back to my publishing days, I was drawn into that leadership development realm And so there was just a trigger point at some point. I don't have a magical moment that hit me, but I knew that I wanted to delve down this track and help businesses and, you know, small and medium, the ones who really struggle to have some resources to help develop their leaders, to impact their frontline workers and create greater engagement. And I've always thought of myself as a little bit of an educator or trainer or teacher and influencer of people. And so I just felt it as a calling to get involved with trying to help businesses strengthen the ties. This was all pre-pandemic in terms of the planning stages. So the fact that pandemic came through and you have all this talk about engagement and uh, the great resignation and so forth was just timing. But, uh, you know, the the engagement engineer was this whim of a thought play on words. And <laughs> uh, I think Part of it is my, I have two sons, uh, two of the three sons that I have, they're in engineering programs in school. I'm like, I want to be an engineer too. (laughs) So engagement engineer came to mind. I'm like, all right, we'll do this. It's sort of building, it's recreating, it's solving problems. It's some engineering mindset to it where you're kind of critically thinking about what's going on and trying to come up with a solution for someone.
0: Tom, with the clients, the employers that you're working with, what do you see as the biggest issue they have when it comes to building the culture that they truly want?
2: It's a great question. I I think if everyone could put their finger on that pulse and kind of have the magic wand effect to solve that, that would be a great thing. I think the biggest trends that I see uh, are time to invest in things. A lot of folks think it's a huge financial investment. And I think that's the big myth. It it doesn't need to be. It can be small. I mean, you think about the companies are going out to dinner and entertaining and not so much these days, but in the past, I'm like, there's a budget. You have room to spend a little bit if you need to or you want to. But I think it's getting that top-down buy-in from organizations to say, we're doing this. And beyond that, it's, you know, with that buy-in line, it's coming over the hurdle of an organization thinking that they already do it well and they're already in tied into their employee base when they're really not. There's an overconfidence in that side of things that I think hurts some companies. They they don't want to look in the mirror. Do
0: you think sometimes when you mentioned the top-down idea and you you said that you see a disconnect between floor-level employees up, do you think sometimes it's that management has a an idea in terms of what the culture should be that nobody else really understands
2: what they're trying to get to? I think that's a part of it, for sure. I think you, you find organizations where you know the leadership generally has been there longer. They consider themselves in some regard that quote unquote, old school employee who just, they, they come to work, they plow through things or generally at a higher earning uh, capacity and threshold. And so we make assumptions. We all do it in life. It's, it's an easy thing to do and it's hard to get get around and kind of get that bias conversation. You have this internal bias that's driving on a day-to-day basis, you presume that everyone has common sense to show up for work every day and be engaged in what they do and ask questions and seek training and mentoring when it's just not natural for everybody coming out of the workforce, coming out of school, whether it's, you know, the 18-year-olds, the 22-year-olds or whatnot. If you haven't been brought up to think about asking how to do things better, how to drive and push more, that's where that disconnect comes. I I see it a lot with the entry-level workforce. I see it with my own kids for, you know, not for a bad way, but just trying to help them understand you need to ask questions. There's no bad question. The, The only bad question is the one that's not asked.
1: I think that's good advice, Tom. And I think on the flip side of that, leaders need to be out asking questions and engaging and, um, you know, showing people how to do things, coming away from the assumption that they know how to do it and they're going to ask questions. I think that's where we got into a lot of problems. (laughs) We have two assumptions on either side. I assume as the employee, you're going to show me what I need to do. You as the employer assume I know what to do. And then we wonder why stuff doesn't get done or gets (laughs) done in a different way.
2: (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, you know, you think of all the different communication tools that are out there to help people talk about things. You know, even some of those can bridge those gaps. People are on the same page and, and it's it's a big hurdle and you just wish people would talk a little bit more and get a little bit more, uh, I would say frank, that's not the right word. I'm, I'm not sure exactly what the essence of what I'm looking for, but just that sincerity.
1: You mean we want we need to talk to people? Come on, Tom, asking a lot. <laughs> well, Tom, you have worked for yourself and others. So do you have a preference... And what advice do you have for people thinking about going out on their own?
2: I love having a little bit of both. There's a nice blend and there's, you know, certainly there's a a comfort level having a group to work with when you're working with others. You have some collaboration that you just don't get when you're in an island. Not that you can't create that. The other side of it, having the independence to kind of be as creative as you want, make your own mistakes, stumble through some things, learn some new ah ahas and have some different Directions that you can take as an entrepreneur, that's exciting. At least it is for me. Um, I'm, I like to break things and reconstruct them and, and come up with things. I would say, advice wise, anyone looking to either go off on their own or start that side piece, have a passion, define what it is, have a story behind it, and how you're going to solve somebody's problem. I'm a big fan of Don Miller's Building a Story brand i um, read it a couple of times and it really captures a lot of that essence to help you kind of drive that story, part of what you're doing, that passion, that Simon Sinek why, right? But then you got to build a plan. You, you, you can't just go willy nilly. And I think my fear is out of the pandemic, you had a lot of entrepreneurs pop out of the woodwork, try their dreams and goals. And you had some others who just like, uh, well, I don't have a job, so let me try this. And some of them are going to be successful, no doubt. But I worry about the other ones who aren't quite going to make it and hope that they do. But you know, without a plan, without some structure, you know, things could fall apart really fast.
0: Tom, sometimes we like to turn the spotlight a little bit back to ourselves. Wendy had mentioned at the outset a little bit about how she made that initial connection with you. We understood you were a big fan of the show, and we always appreciate hearing that. How did you find the social hour, and, and what's kept you coming back?
2: To say I was a little fan is maybe understating it. <laughs> When (laughs) when Christina made the introduction out of the blue, I was hopping up and down out of my chair like there was no tomorrow. I was calling my friends. I'm like, you'll never believe what happened. And of course, (laughs) most of my friends are outside of the HR realm. So they're like, yeah, and you don't understand. It's Wendy and John. No, But but in all seriousness, uh, I ran into through online networking. Uh, and through my Sherm chapter, just plugging around. I don't know exactly how I hooked into Claire Petrie out in Buffalo, but I did. She's fantastic. Can't say enough wonderful things about her. And following her her adventures on Twitter is fantastic fun. But she invited me to do some Sherm presentations for her chapter in Buffalo, which was fantastic. And it just kind of led to some networking conversations. And we've talked about the Twitter feed on the Every Other Sunday Night. Talked about, she got me hooked into your podcast. And so probably since the beginning of January, it's just been one after the other, just exciting listening to you guys talk to different people all year long.
1: I love that. I, I think that just ties into what we're doing here. You now we love Claire. She's awesome. Any friend of Claire's, any friend of Christina. I think we would say is a friend of ours. So I'm so happy that they did that.
2: (laughs) Me too, me too. All
1: right. So Tom, we do outsource some of our work here and we ask previous guests to give us a question. Julie Turney asks, what's the most difficult conversation you've ever had?
2: Personally, I think uh, back in my publishing days, it was a moment of failure. I was in a role that I wasn't well suited for. And that meeting with the manager, that puts you on a pip. If I can describe how the blood runs from the top of your head now when you're bald, it comes through a lot faster. Uh, (laughs) But if I can describe that moment, um, and those of you who can't see me, there's nothing on top. That blood just ran through my face. It was the best thing that ever happened to me professionally. It gave me a sense of humility because at that point, I'm in my upper 20s and very confident, we'll say, uh, in reaching sky's the limit. But this kind of set me back, let me know that, hey, I'm, I'm not you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread and I've got room to grow and I can share those lessons with people that I manage and mentor and lead and uh, kind of set me on that leadership track. So I would say that was the toughest conversation to hear. But uh, the folks that had that conversation for me, I'm sure it was worse for them because it's never fun to have those conversations. I had to have a few of those in my career, too. But that was probably rock bottom for me. I, I was devastated.
0: I appreciate you being willing to share because when Julie asked that question, went, wow, that is good. It, it's it's <laughs> tough, particularly getting into a situation where somebody's calling you out and it sounds like you were in a culture where that was going to be done because we know a lot, you know, that there are places where they would never do that. And then all of a sudden you're floundering and nobody will tell you why.
2: Yeah. And they were great. They I was able to land another role within the organization. More of my strength ended up being in, involved in a leadership development program, that I uh, was just so fond of. It, it set the stage for what I believe today with providing managers with training to become leaders. You know, everything from the Marcus Buckingham stuff and on, it really was a turning point in my professional life.
0: Well, with that, we're gonna take a quick break and we'll be right back. This episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast is brought to you by Namely. We've all heard the news. The Great Resignation is affecting many businesses And keeping employees engaged and connected is crucial to avoid high turnover and its even higher cost. That's why we recommend Namely, the all-in-one HR solution that offers everything you need to hire, inspire, and retain your workforce, so you can say goodbye to the great resignation and hello to the great re-engagement. Whether you have 50 or 1,000 employees, Namely helps you maintain a great experience for the entire employee lifecycle with onboarding, performance management, and intuitive benefits enrollment all in one connected platform. Plus, Namely can streamline your payroll, time tracking, and vacation requests and help make you everyone's favorite HR leader. Companies are built on people. Don't let either fail. Learn more about making the switch to Namely today by visiting Namely.com. Thanks again to Namely for sponsoring this episode of the HR Social Hour Half Hour Podcast. Now, back to the show.
1: And we are back. Tom, it is now time for everyone's favorite part of our show, the Half Hour Question Connection. What career did you dream of having when you were a child?
2: I thought long and hard about this because I'm not in my 20s anymore. (laughs) And my younger memories have me thinking that I was going to be Snake Eyes. Sorry, John. That was natural. Uh, Nice. I can remember running up and down the beach of Lake Champlain with friends of mine. And I was Snake Eyes and he was Hawk and his sister was somebody else. And I just popped into my head. But beyond Fantasyland, it was probably to be an actor. Um, I just had a, a... A draw to the dramatic and being gregarious and out there. Never pursued anything in drama or anything like that, but I always enjoyed it.
0: For those listening that aren't familiar, Snake Eyes is a character in G.I. Joe. (laughs) Thank you, Tom, for making my evening. Who's one person you've gained in your network in the last year that you think more people should know?
2: Tiffany Castaño. She's a branding, team building, culture person out of Pittsburgh. Again, with the online networking, it's been fantastic. You meet so many more people, stumbled into each other, have had several great conversations over the course of the year. We probably talk every month or two just, just to catch up. It's not even about work stuff. We talk about what's going on a little bit, but it's usually about what's going on in life, what we're seeing out in the industry. And she's just a ball of fun and so much energy and, and love about workplace culture and engagement.
1: Tom, how do you maintain balance? What's that? <laughs>
2: <laughs> I think for me, it's I, I have what I refer to as a, as a squirrel brain. So it's a different thing on any different day. So from playing with gadgets uh, to what I really love is board games. So I have some friends that we play some regular board games, some more complicated than others. It's just a moment to relax and unwind and be away from things where you're not worried about the day-to-day stuff. You're just worried about having some fun and laughter and hanging out with people.
0: How do you enjoy giving back to the HR community, Tom?
2: Well, I'm on the local sherm board in our region, the CRHRA. So I head up our sponsorship division. So I beg people for money. That's, <laughs> that's a lot of fun. Being in the third party recruitment realm for so long, you're always giving advice to people. I always feel like applicants come to the table, they apply for things, and probably nine times out of 10, no one tells them why they didn't get a job. No one tells them that their resume was askew or had a spelling error or you know had somebody else's name on it. Who knows? So I always feel good about just sharing a little bit of, tidbits of feedback and information, something that's going to help them better their job search and their strategy. So that, that kind of goes along side by side with the work that I do with our Sherm chapter here in the area.
1: Tom, what's your favorite movie?
2: Star Wars. I tried to think of so many others, but I I can remember my first real passionate toy was a Darth Vader action figure back in the (laughs) seventies. I was, I had, uh, I was in the hospital for a lazy eye surgery and my godmother comes in, brings me this package, Darth Vader. I'm like, what's this? And I hadn't seen the movie yet. And it was just the best thing. Uh, and ever since then people just find little trinkets of star Wars stuff left and right. I've got posters all over that not all of them are up and you see little goofy things. And then of course, when I finished college and, Come into adulthood, my best friend uh, from school and growing up goes to work for Lucasfilm. Takes oh. my dream job. <laughs> I'm like, how not fair is that?
0: Now, I have to ask for a point of clarification. I think you may know where I'm going. When you say Star Wars, you mean Star Wars 1977, what now is known as Episode 4, but we're of a vintage that it's just Star Wars. Is that.
2: Right, so I love okay. the entire Star Wars storyline. If yes. I had to pick my favorite movie, it's Empire Strikes Back.
0: Okay, fair enough. I've had this conversation with people, and they say Star, and I just say Star Wars. Which one? Star Wars. Sorry, that's.
2: <laughs> Never did get
0: Episode Four until much later.
2: Yes, absolutely.
0: <laughs> What's the first concert you remember attending?
2: <laughs> I was thirteen years old. I walked into the mall where I grew up, and the pretzel shop had a one of those little put your name on a ticket and throw it in a then, and you'll win tickets to something. I had no idea what it was for, put my name in it. I get a call a couple weeks later for tickets to Eddie Murphy at the Lake Placid Olympic Arena at Whoa. age 13. Whoa. <laughs> age 13, going to see his delirious jork. Um, wow. So, <laughs> and I won the records. He had There's two records that went along with it, so immediately I get them. I have somebody bring me to the mall, I pick up the records, I put them in the record player, and I'm playing, and I'm like, this is fantastic. Didn't let my parents hear any of it. And, <laughs> convinced my mother god bless her soul she's fantastic i don't think she really understood the full gravity of it but convinced her to drive uh my buddy and i an hour to lake placid to go see this show and even his mom was kind of like who's this eddie murphy guy i'm like he's just a comedian nobody special <laughs> but oh my god game changing wow. game changing
0: wow
1: wow i don't know where to go with that um <laughs>
0: That may win the answer of all time now, Wendy. I think I, I, so. We've never had somebody come out with a comic as their first, much no. less to be a teenager that age and to see Eddie Murphy right? at that time, which would have arguably been hit the peak of his powers. Yeah. And for those of wow. you who aren't aware, he was fairly naughty back then, too. So <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. He, wow. he, he kind of switched to... Uh... Family friendly (laughs) in the early what what was that the early two thousands that he had Shrek and Doolittle and all of that and um, God bless him he's been able to keep a career going yeah but yeah I'm in awe of that I don't think my parents would have even they yeah I don't know that that would have gone over too well in my small town
2: South Dakota (laughs) thank God there was no internet no browsing no research of any Right, right. I tripped across one of those dollar DVD bins a couple of years ago. So I picked up the delirious DVD and I popped it in a oh. DVD player and I started playing. I'm like, oh, I heard the first joke. That was funny. haha!" Then he goes into the second jokes and so on. And so on. I'm like, oh my God, I can't <laughs> listen to this. <laughs> this is just wrong.
1: Although I did play the ice cream portion of it <laughs> for my daughters when we were making ice cream at home. I was like, oh, you guys got to hear this. I didn't pre-listen to it. Um, it it wasn't too bad. It wasn't too bad. But... No,
2: that was not <laughs> bad. I feel bad now because like I I would listen to all the comics from Flip Wilson to Cosby, and I got to see George Carlin and Robin Williams and a bunch of others. Oh just, wow! You get to see some real gems uh, who are just the finest of their trade, and you know it's it's like nothing else.
1: That's awesome. Well, Tom, what is the last show that you binge watched?
2: The Walking Dead. Oh. I started that in March. I think I went through all 10 seasons before the end of the summer. Like the first four or five, it was like night after night, I'd come out. I still had my youngest was in high school at the time. I'd be like, so-and-so died. And the next night, so-and-so died. So-and-so died. and I'd be like just distraught. I'm like, but I love all these characters and they're all dying. He's like, dad, you come out every day and somebody else dies. Fantastic show. I can't get enough of it.
0: Tom, what's a hobby or a thing you really like to do that may surprise people?
2: I, in in my neighborhood, so my neighbors know about this. Most of the regular folks don't know this, but uh, my neighbors challenged me to build neighborhood games. When cornhole was just becoming a little bit more popular, probably five, six years ago, I built my own Star Wars-themed cornhole boards. Wow. Uh, <laughs> Uh, I built uh, a little... Somebody said, oh, you should build this little chipping game where you chip a golf ball into cups that are on a cornhole board. Uh, A little... uh, Before you could buy the Jenga sets in the store that you bring to barbecues and stuff, I built my own. So that thing stands like five feet high. We put little marble logos on it for different games that the kids can play. So if you drew a block that had one on, you made somebody do something, whether adult-oriented or child-oriented, you you pick. Yeah, I, I love crafting and building things when somebody says, hey, Tom, what about this? I'm like, Challenge accepted.
1: Wow. You're blowing us away here, Tom. I just have to say this <laughs> is- Absolutely. Like... This
0: is tremendous. Absolutely fascinating.
1: Yeah. I am really looking forward to your answer to this one. As you know, we're crowdsourcing. So if you could ask the next guest of the podcast any question, what would it be?
2: My question goes to thinking about what would one thing be you could change about the HR field, add or delete, and why?
0: I always like to show it's now in the book. <laughs> it will get asked very soon. Tom, I am incredibly happy that, first of all, that you found Claire and that yeah. she talked to you about listening and that you've been listening for as long as you have and we didn't know you. Really glad we had this conversation. And like Wendy said, some of your stuff's blowing us away. <laughs> <laughs> love it. It's tremendous. It's, it's so much fun. I know some of our listeners probably are following you now, but those that have not are going to want to. For a multitude of reasons, if they're not connected with you now, best way for them to reach you out there?
2: Best way to find me is at buildbetterculture.com.
0: We will have that in the show notes. And then, Wendy, how about you? Best way for listeners to find you?
2: Uh, Best
1: way is on my blog, mydailyjourney.com. And, of course, you will find me on Twitter the second and fourth Sunday of each month, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, as part of our twice-monthly Twitter chat. How about you, John?
0: Once again, thanks to our friends at Namely for sponsoring this episode. And for me, johnthurman.com for all things John Thurman. And for the show, hrsocialhourpodcast.podbean.com. Listen, review, share, follow. People are asking about some of the goodies that we've had. If you have not taken part and, and you want to share, tag listen to HRSH on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or Twitter. We don't do the others. Wendy does some of the others, but I don't, and I'm not trying to follow them. But if you post out there, we'll get your address and we'll send you some of the new stuff, new swag that we have. International listeners, that goes for you as well. I can send it overseas. As we talked about at the outset, we are really looking forward to 2022 and and continuing to talk to new people. Tom will tell you again, it's fairly painless. So reach out. The best way for us to get in touch is for you to contact us because they make it really hard, unfortunately, internationally. Tom, really appreciate you taking the time. And so for the HR Social Hour Half Hour podcast, I'm John.
1: And I'm Wendy, and as always, be sure to connect,
0: give back, and network. network. Take care, everybody.
1: We'll see you soon.